Fellowship Church's devotional podcast devoted to bringing you some spiritual truth to consider every day, Monday through Friday. Well, let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. I was at a meeting recently, and it was decided we should end our time together by saying the Lord's Prayer together. And I was amazed because we had never done this before, and so a group of people standing in a circle from different denominational backgrounds, different histories, different stories, born in different places, all said the Lord's Prayer together in the exact same version, the exact same words, with the exact same rhythms, all pausing in the same places. It's just amazing that one of these, uh, you know, this is Scripture, this is the Lord's words to His disciples and through the Holy Spirit to us, that we continue to know um, all over. And it just kind of inspired me to say, let's, you know, maybe pause on some of these words that many of us know. We, we say it, we pray it, we sing it. Um, but what do these words mean that we are uh, so familiar with? Um, let's, let's pray not just with our lips and with, you know, muscle memory, but with our minds as we are intended to do. We want to pray thoughtfully. Well, what is this passage that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer? It occurs in two of the Gospels. Matthew and Luke, they are slightly different. Matthew's is longer. That's sort of the one that we say when we say, let's say the Lord's Prayer. Luke is a little bit shorter. But Luke is the passage where we are told that Jesus is asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so, presumably, that portion is just not included in Matthew's record, that this was in response to his disciples saying, How should we pray? They had heard him praying, and they said, we want to pray like you pray. And this was his lesson. He he says many things to them about uh, how we shouldn't pray. You know, we shouldn't pray like the Pharisees, like the self-righteous people who think that God will hear them because they say a lot of big, important-sounding words. And sometimes you can tell a new believer or, or a child who, you know, listens to adults pray and thinks that they need to use big adult words so that God will hear them. Um, and Jesus' teaching to us flies right in the face of that and says, God knows what you need. So talk to God about what you want, what you need, what you would like from him, and, and let your words not go on and on and on forever. That's not going to cause God to hear you any more than anything else. So how then should we pray? Well, we're going to take this um, line by line for a, for a few weeks here and kind of break it down in chunks just so we can spend a little bit of time and not have a 20-minute devotional. So let's start with the first two lines, and I'm going to go ahead and do the version that we all know. So when we say it again, we can remember what it means. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, the first word is important, that when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, he tells them to pray, our Father. This would indicate that Jesus has in mind that we are going to be praying together. That God's people, yes, will pray alone. Jesus teaches elsewhere that, you know, when when you pray, you you, you get alone. um, And you you talk to God uh, simply and humbly. But Jesus here is also teaching that we are going to pray together. As God's people, we are going to gather together. And when we do, we should pray, Our Father. And this next word is Father. This identifies who we are praying to. And it's interesting that as God is telling us how to pray, Jesus being God, telling us to pray to God, uh, we don't begin with Lord. We don't begin with 
master. We don't begin with king of kings and lord of lords or creator. All of these things are true. This is part of God's character as well. And we can pray those things truthfully. But when his disciples ask him how to pray, Jesus tells them to pray, Our Father. God throughout scriptures identifies himself as our heavenly Father. Certainly in the Old Testament, he's the Father to the fatherless. And Isaiah, uh, Isaiah says, You are our Father. But certainly in the New Testament, the number of times that scripture refers to God as our Father just exponentially increases all over the Gospels, all over uh, the epistles. God's referred to as our Father. This is the first person of the Trinity. When we talk about God the Father, uh, we don't call him again God the Lord, God the King, God the Creator, although all those things would be true. The first person of the Trinity is God the Father. Now, for some of us, this picture of God as Father might be troublesome. Uh, I, for one, was blessed with a loving Father, loved me, loved the Lord, I loved His family, uh, but not everyone is so blessed. Some people had terrible fathers. Some people had no fathers. Some people had absentee fathers who were never around, or maybe fathers that they wish were never around because they were violent or angry or abusive. Now, this should not corrupt our view of God as our Father. God invented fatherhood so that he would show something about his character. And we don't judge God by our earthly fathers. We judge earthly fathers by God, who is the ultimate heavenly father, who takes care of his children. He compares himself to earthly fathers in the Gospels when he says, you know, even though you wicked earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more when we go to God can we trust that he will give good things to his kids? I found the image of God as Father much more helpful, not having a father, but being a father. About my heart for my children, even as selfish and as lazy and as, as sinful as I can be, my heart is full of love for my now four children. And when a child comes to me with hurt or concern and says, Dad, I need your help, I want to stop what I'm doing and be ready to help them. How much more so is our good Heavenly Father ready to listen to his children when they come to him in prayer. This is who we pray to, God our Father. And why do we get to call God our Father? Well, because we have been adopted into his family through the gospel, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and our believing in him for the forgiveness of our sins. We are adopted into God's family. That we get to call Christ our brother and God our Father. We cry out to him through the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. So as we enter into prayer, we are coming to our Heavenly Father who loves us, who wants to hear from His children, who tells us to enter into His presence with boldness and lay our requests before Him. The next part, who art in heaven. And this leads into one of the great tensions or paradoxes of God's nature. Just as we're talking about God being our Father who draws close to His children, we are reminded that He is also holy. He is above. He is different. He is beyond God does not live somewhere here on earth. He's not sitting up on a cloud somewhere. He's not out in space. He is outside of creation. He sits on the throne in heaven, and he is holy, holy, holy. God is not like us. And that should cause our hearts to awe and wonder and revere our Father who is in heaven, but also be reminded that this Father 
is on the throne. He is in control. He is ruler over all creation. So when we bring him our concerns, our worries, our hurts, we know that we're bringing them to the one who can do something about it. His holiness and his awesomeness should not discourage us from coming into his presence. Throughout the New Testament, we are told to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. To Philippians tells us, whenever we are anxious, to, to bring it to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving. God welcomes our prayers, but we can take comfort from, from the fact that he is in heaven, that he is on the throne, that he is powerful and awesome and can do something about these requests. He may choose not to, but it is not because he lacks the power or the wisdom or the ability. And finally for today, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be thy name. Now, that's not a word I use very often. I use it in the Lord's Prayer and, and you know, the expression hallowed halls, whatever that means. But what does it mean, hallowed? Well, hallow means to bless or to honor as holy. There's a Piper article where he, uh, quoting someone else, says, when we, when we bless the Lord or when we bless his name, it's an expression of praising thankfulness, an exclamation of gratitude and admiration. And so we are to hallow, to honor or to bless his name, God's name. Well, in this culture especially, less so in today's day and age when we are living in less communal settings where people tend to spend a lot of time around the same people. People are moving and making their names as individuals rather than, you know, as families. But a name, in this context, was synonymous with your character. This was who you are. So to have a good name meant that people spoke well of, of who you were and what you did and the kind of person that you were. God's name is his reputation. It's his attributes, his awesomeness. So when we praise God's name, we, we praise who he is. Is We lift up his name. And so the question for us is, how often do we praise God in our prayers? You know, anytime, I don't know if you've ever heard of the ACTS model of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, or, you know, I had another one that was Osipa, which was much more complicated, but did begin with adoration. As much as those show up in sort of these planned prayer times, very often we are quick to skip over the praising part of our prayers. Very often it's, you know, dear God, thank you for this day, blah, 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 do these things. But do we take time in our prayers to praise God's name for who he is and what he has done? And often as we do that, we will be reminded that his name is worthy of our praise. We will be reminded that he is in heaven. We will be reminded that he is our good father. So that when we ask something of him, we are asking in the right frame of mind and heart. So we have something for as many times as we've said it to learn from God's teaching, from Jesus' teaching to us on prayer. And we will continue the next few weeks. But for now, God, we thank you uh, that you answered the request of your disciples to teach us how to pray. So Lord, help us to apply some of these principles, not to say them rotely, but to learn something about who we are, who you are, and how to best come before you in humility and adoration, but also in, in, in gratitude and, and uh, as your children to our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. Um, help us to grow in the area of prayer. I think we could all agree that we can grow in our prayer life. So we pray that you would do that for your glory and our good. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in for another edition of Let's Talk. Church family, you are loved. Have a blessed day.